Second Timothy is, is a, a, the second of two letters written by um, a guy called Paul in the, the New Testament. Paul, as many of us will know, began as Saul. He went around persecuting Christians. Um, and then he had one encounter with Jesus that changed his life forever. He became Paul. And he went around um, and he went on three missionary journeys going and, and spreading the gospel, evangelizing, healing um, through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and he saw many won into the kingdom. And Paul is, uh, writes about two thirds of the New Testament. Um, and in Acts chapter 14, Paul um, goes on his first missionary journey. He goes to a place called Lystra, which is modern day Turkey. And he goes there and, and he starts to, to evangelize and proclaim the gospel. And through the, the Holy Spirit, Paul starts um, healing some people. And they don't, this doesn't really, isn't really received well. They, they think that Paul is almost a, a God himself. And they try to start worshiping Paul. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like there only is one God and I'm doing his work. And, and again, the people don't react too well. And, and they start to stone him. And, and he gets away, he escapes, he re, he's rescued. A year later, Paul goes back to, to Lystra. Uh, you can read this in Acts chapter 16. And there is the first time we hear of a guy called Timothy. It tells us that in Acts chapter 16 that Timothy, is, his mother is a Jewess, his father is, is a Greek, and so already we see a bit of clash of the, the different religions, which would have been frowned upon back then. But Paul notices there's something good about this young man called Timothy, and he invites Timothy to come and join him on his missionary journeys, and Timothy accepts and Timothy is gifted in, in preaching and teaching. He's gifted as a leader. He's gifted as an evangelist. And so we know that, that Timothy and Paul grow a close relationship. And they see the gospel spread through many more countries. And in the first, first Timothy, Paul writes his friend a letter. He writes him a letter to encourage him, to challenge him. And we get our, our youth ministry name from that, 1 Timothy 4.12, where Paul says, to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but be an example. Be an example. But if I can just read one more verse before we jump into where we are, which is in 1 Timothy. If you have your Bible, you can flick to it. It's just one verse. 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. Paul says to Timothy, after he says about being an example, he says in verse 14, do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. He continues to write a few more chapters of that letter. And then he writes this second letter, which we're going to read the first seven verses of this morning. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And listen to this, verse five. Paul says, I am reminded by your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. And for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And many of us will know verse seven, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, or some translations say fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 
Let's pray just quickly this morning. Father God, we pray and thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege it is to come around this word. But Holy Spirit, we need your help here. We need you to come and speak to our hearts. We thank you that, you, that your word is like a double-edged sword that can cut through bone and marrow. And we pray that your word would come and challenge us and encourage us. That your spirit would uplift us, Father God, as we read your word. That you would speak through your word through truth. Because it's the truth that will set us free. And so we pray, would you speak the truth over us this morning, God? Not just my words, but all that you have to say in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So it is Mother's Day, as we said. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Happy Mother's Day. It was International Women's Day as well the other day. So happy Women's Day to you all. Um, someone, one of our young people asked me on Friday, when can we have an International Man's Day? I said, that's every day, <laughs> the way we... And that's not the way, I'm saying that for you women, because men get on, don't they? Men get on like that way. Far too many heads nodded there. Um, so did anyone, apart from Daniel, did anyone, women, get their gifts already? Who got some gifts? Good. Mom, mind, you're just coming later, don't worry. You're coming around, coming around to our house. Don't know if you knew that. Um, but I don't know about you, when it comes to buying gifts, especially for parents, like, I'm not a parent yet, but like when you become a parent, do you just become impossible to buy gifts for? Like I just feel that, that buying gifts for parents is the most difficult thing ever. Like when you just have a child, you just become, right, I'm going to be awful to buy gifts for from this moment onwards. Because like I'm quite easy to buy for, I think. Um, but I just find it really difficult to buy gifts uh, for my mom and my dad. My dad especially is awful. Like my dad always says, Dad, what do, you want? what do you want for Christmas, Dad? Nothing. Like, one year, that's going to happen, and it'll be a shock to the system. Um, you can actually buy this thing. It's like a, a, a gl clear glass ball, and inside it, it's like you literally buy a gift of nothing. You just give them a gift, and it's a glass ball with nothing inside it. I'm going to do that one, one time. Um, but, Mom, sorry that you're here, but this story's about you. Um, but Mother's Day, Mom can be, Mom's easier to buy for than Dad. Um, but over the years, we've learned it's more and more difficult to buy for mum because um, men, people, we may understand this, but my mum, you buy her gifts and then she doesn't use them. Is anyone agreeing there? <laughs> Women nodded to that. We were like, yeah, we'll have to admit it. We don't use gifts. Um, but my mum, it's funny, mum has every kitchen appliance you can imagine like, and uses none of them. Like Nutribullet, doesn't use it. Uh, bread maker, doesn't use it. Um, big food mixer, doesn't use it. And then like we're, we live in, in Ballybean, in sort of two, three bedroom house, and mum has every exercise machine you can imagine. There's like an ab swing, doesn't use it. Pilates machine, doesn't use it. Cross trainer, doesn't use it. Like treadmill, we don't use it. Like it's, it's there but we don't use it. And so it's like, Mom, I don't really know what to buy you. Like, we buy you all these gifts, and you just put them back on the shelf. Like, you, like, and you enjoy having them, you enjoy keeping them, but you don't really do anything, anything with them. And um, so you're like, well, what did you buy her today? Um, I'll see you when I go to Oz on the way home. Um, <laughs> but this passage we read this morning, Paul is, is, is telling Timothy in verse 6 to... To, to, and reminds him to fan into flame the gift that he has been given. It's a reminder to Timothy, hey, you have been given some stuff. You need to start using it. And I'm going to get to that point a bit later. And, and by the end of my message this morning, I would love to, to pray for every single woman in here. I'm not, we're not going to get you all to the front, so don't, don't feel worried about that. But where you are, we want to pray for every single woman in here. 
But before I want to look at this passage, and I want to look at, Paul says in, in, in verse 6, for this reason, Timothy, I remind you, for this reason, fan into flame. But what is the reason? I want to look back at verse 5 and make my first point, which is this, I am reminded. I am reminded. In verse 5, Paul says, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. This point I want to make is to all you mothers and all you spiritual mothers in here. If you're not yet a mother, you can be, you're a spiritual mother to some people who are looking up to you. I want to make this point to you. You see, we don't fully understand and realize all of how Timothy was saved. But we know this. Lois, his grandmother, and Eunice, his mother, played a huge part in it. They played a huge part in it. And in fact, Paul credits them for being a huge influence. Paul credits them and says, because of your sincere faith. Not just because of your faith, because of your sincere faith. Or because of your genuine faith, because of your authentic faith, because of your faith which was made real. You see, we would all in here, men and women, every single one of us, want to pursue authentic, sincere, genuine faith. But if we're honest, we struggle. If we're honest, the opposite of sincere faith is, is put on faith, is fake faith. Is, is hypocritical faith. And, and I know for me, I can go through times if I want sincere faith, but I, I don't really live that out. I don't really show that. We can all be guilty at times of, of living, saying the right thing, putting our hands up the right songs, praying the right things, and then going out and living differently. We're all guilty of that this morning, church. And it's not a condemnation, but it's a conviction to come on, we can do this better. There's a story of a pastor and he's, he's preaching one week and he's preaching around a message of the importance of Bible reading. And later that day, a couple from the church invite him back to their house for lunch. And they're, they're back, the pastor and his wife are back at the house and the, other, the couple are in the kitchen making lunch. And the pastor and his wife notice that on the calendar, it says for that very Sunday that the couple have noted down, pastor and his wife are coming. Dust off all the Bibles. <laughs> and we could be guilty of that as well. Or another story of a, a man and he's having tea with a pastor. And the pastor gets, says to the man, hey, it's really great to see how you're living. This is so good to see how you're living. And he goes, oh, pastor, if you really want to see how we live, you should come visit when you're not here. <laughs> and we can be guilty of all doing that. We're all in the same boat. We're all trying to be better. We're all trying to live this life of faith better. But at times we, at times we struggle. We can talk the talk, we can say the right thing, but actually living it out is, is much more difficult. But I'm convinced that living out our faith is what speaks to people. Living out our faith is what makes it genuine. Living out our faith is what makes it sincere. Do you know, what we would love more in the world is more people confessing their faith. I, I want that. We want more people confessing the name of Jesus. We want more people but coming into the kingdom of God. But what's going to do that, church, is more people like you and me living it out. Not just speaking it, but, but living it, living it out. You see this, Lucy was preaching on Friday night and, and she spoke around this idea of the loving people and loving God. Like loving God is the root, but loving people is the fruit. And it's the same with our faith and our deeds. Faith is the root, but deeds is the fruit. 
The deeds are the proof of our faith. James chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. James writes this. He says, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, listen to this. His faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. His faith was made complete by what he did. His faith was made real by what he did. His faith was made sincere by what he did. His faith was made authentic and genuine, not by just what he said, but what he, what he did. His deeds made his faith sincere. This is why my granny loves QVC. Any women love QVC in here? My granny, it should have, it should have ended 15 years ago, but my granny has kept it going, just buying stuff. <laughs> But my granny loves QVC because QVC is, they're not just telling you about a product, they are showing it to you. They're not just telling you about it, they're demonstrating it. This needs to be church the same with our faith. We can't just talk about it, we need to demonstrate it. We need to carry it out. It needs to be demonstrated because it's that sincere faith in Lois that Eunice looked up to her mother and saw, hey, there is something different about her. She's going to the temples, she's going to the synagogues, she's hearing these scriptures, but she is living them out and it starts to pass on to Eunice. And then together the two of them are starting to, to pass it on and live out their faith. And Timothy's going, hey, I've heard people talk about this God thing, about this faith thing, but I'm seeing it in their lives. It is being demonstrated in what they are doing. Church, how are we living outside of this building? And listen, I know that many of you in here are parents or grandparents and, and what you'll say is, hey, you're unqualified to say this. You're not a mother or a father or a parent. You're not a grandparent. And you're right, I am not qualified to speak on that behalf. But I am a son who is influenced by someone. I am a, I am a son who is influenced by their mother who was living it out what they said. And I know many of you will know my mom and know like this will be an absolute nightmare for her to hear because she doesn't like this stuff but many of you will know my mom is sometimes one of the first per people to criticize herself but I grew up in a home where my mom didn't just speak the things but lived it out and she would be the first to admit some of her flaws but I lived in a home where my mom demonstrated her faith and I stand here today at the front here church knowing that it's because of her not just because of her, but thankfully God influenced her and she influenced me. And the generation baton has been passed along and now it's to me. And it's my responsibility to pass that on. But I stand here and many of you will stand here reminded that it was a grandmother or a great-grandmother or a mother or a spiritual mother or someone who influenced and exampled you because of their sincere and genuine faith. Proverbs 22, 6 is a famous one. Start children off in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. If you're in here and you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, or a, can I encourage you to pass this generation on, to pass the baton on? Are you praying with kids? Are you praying with your children? Are you sharing stories with them? Are you sharing and talking to, about God with them? Are we passing it on? Are we being... Intentional, You see, it was the sincerity in Lois and Eunice that Paul credited had an influential part on Timothy's life. And then the second point that I want to read is, is in verse 6. It starts in verse 6. It says, for this reason, 
In your Bible, between verse 5 and verse 6, there might be a bit of a, a, a subcategory or a subtitle that, that gives you a specific title for this next section. But in the, the original manuscript, they would have not have had this. It would have just have been a letter that flowed. And so it would have read like this. It would have said, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in you, in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. And for this reason... I am reminded. My second point is for this reason. For this reason. I want to make a, a, this point almost to, to those who have had spiritual mothers or spiritual grandmothers or, or, or people in their life who have poured in and influenced them. You see, Paul could have said this. Paul could have read verse 5 and said, I am reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy. And for this reason... Fan into flame. But the Holy Spirit prompted Paul to name two people. The Holy Spirit prompted Paul to name Timothy's mother Eunice and Timothy's mother, the grandmother, sorry, Lois. The Holy Spirit prompted him to say this. Why? Why did he need to write the genealogy? Because what Paul was trying to do to Timothy was broaden his perspective. To tell him, Timothy, this is bigger than you. This has started way before you. That the story of faith and the baton of faith had been passed from your, your grandmother, Lois, before you were even born. She was working hard. She was grafting. She was tirelessly pouring out so that her faith could be made real and that Eunice would pick this up. And it was passed on to Eunice. And then Eunice started to tirelessly work, try to demonstrate her faith, try to make it sincere and genuine. And then it's passed on to Timothy. But Paul's trying to say, hey, this is bigger than you, Timothy. One of the motivations that, that will strive us is to realize that what we are doing in this life is far bigger than what we see. Far bigger than where we are at. That is one motivation that is bigger than we are. And this reminds me of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 11, we see the great hall of faith, the great heroes of faith. And then in the first verse, first verse of chapter 12, we read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with per perseverance the race marked out for us. You see, what we often do is we know the, the, the big, the big, Biblical characters, the colossal giants of Abraham, Moses, Noah, David, all these giants. And what we do, whether we like it or not, I could get up here and say, hey, these, are, these were just like you and I. You, they were just people like you and I. But what we often do is put them on a pedestal, don't we? But included in this great cloud of witnesses, Paul is saying in this passage is, Lois and Eunice, your mother and your grandmother, he doesn't just name these colossal giants. He starts to name people that he knows. He starts to make it personal. He starts to make it personal so that they, he can, Timothy can relate to it. You see, when we're talking about our family, there's certain things that we're okay that we do, but others don't. Like, it's okay for me to slobber at my brothers and sisters, but see if you do, like, there's trouble. And we're okay with that. And it's almost similar with our, with our walk with God, with our faith. We think that, hey, I don't mind taking the hit. I don't mind my faith taking a back step. I don't mind my relationship with God dwindling almost. But when we start to realize, and this gives us a perspective, that this is bigger than us, that actually for me standing here at 26, 
I have my granda up in heaven looking down on me, a great cloud of witnesses. Many of you will know my granda. And he is looking down on my life. And for me, it spurs me on that this is bigger than me. That if I'm having a rough day, there is people up there who are cheering me on. And I cannot sit here. This needs to stir something within me. This needs to stir something within us. Many of us, not all of us, will have had a Christian mother or a Christian grandmother that influenced us growing up. And the baton has been passed on to us. We have people looking down at us. We have people cheering us on. This should motivate us to run faster. If I remember being in Brooklyn's primary school sports day, and those times when my mum would come and watch me, I used to run faster. Because I knew someone was watching me. Someone who loved me was cheering me on. I used to run faster. And when, when they weren't there, well, I didn't, I didn't try as hard. But when I know people are watching us, we run faster. We give them more. And this morning, friends, we're in here with such a great cloud of witnesses looking down on us. Let's run faster. We aren't responsible for our outcome, but we are responsible for our obedience. And then finally, my final point is Paul's command to Timothy. He says this. He says, fan into flame. Fan into flame. He gives us the command. He's already given us the motivation. The motivation is the first part. He says, for this reason... The reason is that you have people, your mother and your grandmother, looking on and you, cheering you on, encouraging you. They have fought tirelessly to make their faith sincere and genuine. And he says, for this reason, there's motivation. And then he gives us the command, which is fan into flame the gift that God has given you. I want to make this point that every single one of you sitting in here have been given a gift by God. Every single one of you who has made a decision to follow Jesus, God has given you a gift. Sometimes we don't recognize that, but you have been gifted by God. Ephesians 2, 8 tells us that we have the gift of salvation. Acts 2, 38 and 39 tells us we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says some of us have been given ministerial gifts for the church. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that some of us have been given spiritual gifts for the church. We have all been given gifts. And Paul is saying that we have a responsibility to increase what has been given to us. Many of you will remember the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, 1 to 30. And it tells us that about the three different men who have been given something to look after, something that they are responsible for. And it's the same with all of us, We have been given something that we are responsible for. God has given us all something. When you were made, when you give your life to God, God gave your life. And, and Paul's using it as a, this, this illustration of a fire. And so when you made a decision to follow Jesus, God gave you, a, God gave you a, an ember. And said, it's your responsibility to look after that. It's your responsibility to fan that into flame. Excuse me. And he uses this analogy of a flame. Many of you at home may have a, a, a log fire. Or, or in your garden you may have a, a fire pit. Or, or even if at, at that, most of us will have made a fire in our lives and know how, how it works. But what you don't do is you don't light a fire and then just walk away from it. You don't, let a, you don't light a fire and then just let it, let it burn and do nothing with it. You keep watching it. You keep looking at it. You're intentional with it. If it starts to dwindle, what do you do? Well, you start to add fuel to it. It is your responsibility. Very often, no one often lights a fire and then when it goes out, blames someone else. It is, it is your own 
responsibility. It is your responsibility to stir it, to fan the flame, to keep it alight. And I think what this does is this gives us a really helpful perspective about the gifts that we have been given from God. You see, I know what I often do sometimes is when I wake up and have a bad day, I feel like my gifts that God has given me are this, are emotion and feeling based. That if I'm not feeling it, then God just hasn't refueled my fire. If I wake up one day and you're feeling it and I'm not, well then God's put a few extra coals on yours and not on mine. But Paul says to Timothy, hey, fan into flame the gift that you've been given. Paul puts a responsibility on, on Timothy. I've had conversations with some people who have said, oh, do you know what, the fire, the, the, the fire of God's just gone from my life. I just, I'm not, on, I'm not on fire for God anymore. These are some of the terms we've used before. But this, this removes that excuse. This removes that excuse to say, Timothy, the responsibility is on you to fan the flame. If you're not feeling it, then you refuel it. If you're not feeling it, then you rekindle it. If you're not feeling it, the responsibility, church, is on, is on us. Either we, we haven't been watching the flame and the gift that God has given us so that we don't notice that it's gone out or else we've noticed it, but just haven't done anything about it. And so when I look at my life, if the, the lack of fire and passion and gift of God that he has given me goes out, it's not God's responsibility. It's not your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's my responsibility that I fan into flame the gift that God has given me. I'm going to ask the band to jump up now, if you will, please. Thank you. And as I was reading, I read up to verse 7. Because verse 7 says this. For the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. If I'm honest, when I read this, verse 6 and verse 7 for me didn't link. It didn't link. Paul says, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gifts of God which are in you through laying on of my hands. And then for the spirit give, for the spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I couldn't link the two. I didn't understand. I feel like there was something almost missing between verse 6 and verse, verse 7. But I really felt that as we were reading it, that what Paul is saying here is almost he is completing this, if you will, motivational sandwich. In verse 5, he, he reminds us and tells us that, that this is the motivation, that you have a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on and looking you on. That should motivate us. Then he gives us the, the command, which is to fan it to flame the gift that God has given you. And then he follows it with more motivation, saying the spirit that is within you is a spirit of love, power, and self-discipline. This should motivate us. This should motivate us that you do not do this by yourself. You see, the parable of the talents, the, the servant hid his one bag out of what? Out of fear. Fear can sometimes, and, and cowardice can sometimes hold us back from using the gifts that God has given us. I couldn't do that. I'm not good enough for that. That's not my thing. That's not my area of work. I'm happy to be behind the scenes, or I'm happy to do some. And so fear causes us to bury the gifts that we have been given. Fear causes us to just let the fire burn out. But Paul is saying, hey, the spirit that is on your life is of love, power, and self-discipline. You see, the gifts that we had bought mum all those years, they had a purpose. They weren't to sit on a shelf. They weren't to do nothing with. They had a, a purpose. A fire has a purpose. 
It brings heat, it brings light, it brings safety, it brings warmth. It has a purpose. It's not just to be lit and left away. And the gifts that we have been given this morning, they have a purpose. They're not simply just to possess. And he gives us this motivation for this reason. Then he gives us the command to fan into flame and then more motivation that the spirit of power, love and self-discipline is in you. Church, we have the responsibility to fan into flame the gift that God has given us. But here's the good part. We don't do it alone. We never do it alone. We never do this alone. We're not expected to do it alone. The responsibility is yours and mine to do, but we, God says, I have given you a spirit of love, power, and self-discipline. I've put all that you need within you. You have all you need. You have all you need to stir up this gift within you. And especially on this Mother's Day, for all you women in here, I wanna pray for you that you will receive the Holy Spirit that you would know the gift of the Holy Spirit, that you would know the gift of the power, love, and self-discipline is in your life, that you do not do this by yourself, that you do not do this by yourself. It's our responsibility when we fall into flame, but we don't do it all by ourselves. So if I could ask you one thing in response to this, could I ask all of the women to stand where they are? All of the women, if you can, if you're able to, could I ask you to stand where you are? Or, And men, could I ask you to reach your hand out to every single woman? Reach your hand out. As an act of we're going to pray for these. We mightn't be able to lay hands on them, but we're going to reach our hands out towards them. We're going to pray this morning. This is a message for all of us, yes, but this morning I want women used to be empowered by this this morning that it was Lois and Eunice's influence to Timothy and that you all, you all have influence. All of you. I don't need to be in your life every single day of it to understand the sincerity of your faith. We can see it. We're gonna pray for you. So man, if we can pray for them. I'm gonna ask in the middle of this if, if Tommy McGookin and Pip, if you would mind praying separately for them out aloud and then I'll pray to close and we will go into to worship.
So Father God, we want to thank you as well for those grandmothers and mothers that aren't able to be with us this morning, God. But we thank you for their legacy, God. We thank you for their lives. We thank you for the race that they have run. We thank you for the trails that they have blazed, God. We thank you when they have went where no one would go. We thank you for the the single mums, God. We thank you, God, for the uh, those who were in homes and they were the only Christian in it. God, we thank you for their tireless work and effort to example real, genuine, sincere and authentic faith. We thank you, Father God, that we look across genealogies and we see countless times women leading the way. And we're thankful for every single woman that stands in here, God. And I pray that this morning it would be a reminder and an encouragement and a motivation that we all have a great cloud of witnesses looking on to pick up the baton that might have slipped out, that might have dropped out of our hands, that we might have not felt good enough or qualified enough to pick up. But Father God, we look upon and see that you are within us and that you have called us and so you qualify us. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, would you just come and fill those who need a touching from you this morning, those who came in feeling that their fire was dwindling, those who came in that thought, in fact, that their fire was out. But Father God, we thank you that with, with you there is no fire out, God that there is still embers there. And we pray, would you help fan the flame within them? Do you help blow Holy Spirit into their lives, God? And they would feel a calling this morning to influence and example what you have done in them, God, and to, that the stories and testimonies they have is to pass on to the next generation coming through. God, we're thankful for women who lead the way. We're excited for a generation of women who lead the way. We're excited for a generation of women who are not held back. But God, we pray, would there be a releasing of your Holy Spirit? Release them. Take chains of bondage, Father God. Chains that they have maybe even put on themselves, God. We believe that where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And the Spirit dwells in these women. And so they are free in you. And so we pray this morning, God, would you start to take those chains off? Start to pull out and allow them to feel the freedom that it is to follow and serve Jesus Christ. What a privilege. But we pray we honour these women. Bless every single one of them. I pray this morning, God, that they would know that they are loved and valued in this house. They are not a bum in a seat, but they are a human being that is a, a value and an asset to the body of Christ. That without them, we would not be able to do what we do. That they are an integral part of the body of Christ. So would they know that this morning? Thank you. Encourage them, bless them, and be with them in Jesus' name. Amen.